Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition with your host, Dr. James Flowers. Hello, Robin. Hey, you. I'm so glad to be here. I know, I know. On this cold December day, cold, rainy, foggy. And I think when this airs, it's going to be Christmas week. And our guest... Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be hopefully a little warmer Christmas week. <laughs> yeah, and, and our guest is in sunny Florida today. Oh, he sure is. <laughs> Kevin it's Peterson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have Kevin Peterson here. And I thought I'd just, I, what I wanted to do is just give them, a, our, our audience, a little bit of information about you. But then I'd love for you to expand on it and tell us, you know, a little bio that you do yourself, if yeah. that's okay with you. Love. Okay, cool. Sure. So Kevin began his journey of recovery in May of 1991 and has been sober ever since. He lives in Florida with his wife Amy and their three dogs. And in 2000 or 2014, I should say, Kevin opened his private practice, Peterson Family Counseling, which specializes in working with families and individuals struggling with addictions, codependency, and parenting. And, and I think it's worth noting that he is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Yes. And so that's amazing. And we were hoping that you would tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, 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 sure. The other uh, and don't be shy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, don't, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever says that to me. Mm. It's just be like we only have this much time. There you go. <laughs> uh, hi guys. I uh, thank. And by the way, thank you so much. I'm honored uh, to be included. You uh, bet. Thank you. Part of your thank you. Excited here. to have you yeah. on. I, uh, yes, I'm a licensed marriage and therapist and, uh, and an author uh, of two books, um, uh, Chronic Hope, Parenting the Addicted Child, and Chronic Hope, Families and Addiction, which will be out soon. Um, I'm also the founder of the Chronic Hope Institute, which is sort of a thing that's occurring as we speak. Um, I Let's see, what are the other kind of fun things to tell you? I grew up in a small town in California that nobody had ever heard of back in the 60s. What's called that? Hamburgo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows where it is. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up there. I'm a fourth-generation Californian. I went to the University of Southern California. I flunked out of the University of Southern California. And um, I got sober. So, so what I always tell people is I grew up in a house of addiction. My mother was a, I lived in a $2 million home. We had BMWs and trips to Hawaii. And on the outside, everything was, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And on the inside, it was every man for himself. That's right, wow. yeah. And, and um, so I grew up in a house of addiction. Um, I started using drugs and alcohol uh, when I was about 13, 14 years old. Um, in the Boy Scouts of America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. wow. um, and then, so I became an addict 
Um, and then I got sober in 1991 because my family kind of laid down the law. And, uh, and then I became a mental health professional. I started school at Regis University in January of 2008. And I graduated in August of 2011. Um, with, I was part of the first class that graduated from Regis uh, University uh, with a master's in marriage and family therapy. Congratulations. Three years working in community mental health. Um, and then I became, I opened up my private practice in April of 2014. And I, I did one day a week that filled instantly. I opened up another day in May, 2014, that filled instantly. And then I quit um, working for the community mental health. And I've had a full practice ever since I opened up uh, I started doing family weekends for four uh, treatment programs in Colorado on a contract basis, hired a bunch of people, hired contract therapists for myself. And let's see, what other things can I tell you? Uh, I have this amazing, wonderful, incredible wife who mm -hmm. survived colorectal and kidney cancer. Amazing. In 2018. Yeah. And we have three Boston Terriers. We have Bert, who's four and a half. We have Blanche, who's four. We have Stella, who's 20 weeks old. Wow. Aww. I have a 20-week-old Italian Spinoni. She's 20 weeks old yes. today. Spinoni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. That's, so That's a quick version of me. I love Thank that. You. That's an amazing background. And uh, I, my first thought is, how did you come up with the name uh, Chronic Hope? Ah, that is such a great question. And I have to give major props to my buddy, Josh Miller. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Josh, but he works for uh, the Choice House oh, yeah. in Colorado. Absolutely. I had written the book and um, Josh and I are good friends. And I was talking to him and I was like, I am really struggling with coming up with a title. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, what's it about? I said, well, it's really about these families that struggle with these kids that are you know, using drugs and alcohol and not knowing what to do. And I said, what ultimately what they have is this fantasy that tomorrow the kid's going to wake up and be like, oh, my God, what am I doing? I'm going to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And he's right. like, so what you're saying is that they have a chronic hope. Wow. And I was, uh, I'm like, yeah. He goes, so chronic hope, parenting the addicted child. And I was like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And now you have your own practice or your institute called Chronic Hope Institute, correct? Yeah. So. Yeah, so I love the book. I think it's absolutely amazing. Chronic Hope, Parenting the Addicted Child. Tell us what the process, actually, I'm going to ask you a book, a question before about the, the book, is tell us about your process of writing your book. You know, um, that's a... <laughs> yeah. That's a <laughs> I, I thought that would be a really fun thing to talk about. <laughs> Let me tell you what didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I did an interview in April of 2017 uh, and on a podcast interview and a fraternity brother of mine. I, so I went to the University of Southern California, which, by the way, after I got sober, I went back to and graduated from. Got it. In, ah. in 1994. Um, cool. I always forget to tell people that. Yep. Uh, um, so a fraternity brother of mine, who actually also grew up in Palo Alto, said uh, he heard the interview and he's like, dude, you need to write a book. And I'm like, you really think so? And he's like, are you kidding? He's like, Kevin, you have the, the three pieces of an arc. You have the, I grew up in Palo Alto and, and I was a family of privilege, and, but, but on the inside, everything was crazy. Yeah. And, and then the second piece is 
And then, then everything went to hell in a handbasket. And then the third piece is I got sober, I got into mental health, and, and here's where I am now, let me help you. And so he was the, his name is Scott Benton. He actually pushed me towards that. Um, and, and I kind of, at the same time, right, I'm running a private practice. I'm running four different events a month and other treatment programs. I have 12 contractors. I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. Sure. So I really don't have time to sit down and knock it out. Then um, I, I, uh, uh, my wife and I, it's really funny, that was 2017, and my wife said, hey, you know what you should do? You should uh, go stay in a hotel for like five days with your computer and just crank it out and just go crazy. And, and I was like, okay, good idea. So I came out here to Jacksonville Beach, stayed at the hotel down the street, cranked out five or six, four, three or four days with a work. That was uh, April of 2018, and I came home Monday night and really felt like I had the genesis of where to start. Mm -hmm. um, and three days later, she was diagnosed with colorectal and kidney cancer. Gosh, I'm so, so sorry. It just, I would go start and then stop yep. and then start. And then when she got healthy in January of 2019, she's like, you need to finish that book. That's yep. your life's mm -hmm. right. book. So I hired someone to help me out and finish it, and we actually got it done in October of 2019. Um, now I will tell you, <laughs> uh -huh. there, there's a great book available on Kindle and it's called published. That <laughs> is great. And he outlines how to write a book, how to do it through Amazon and how to market it. And yeah. had I read that, I would have saved a lot of time and money. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's amazing. It, it's here and, and all the best to you in this book. You know, you and I grew up in very similar families, actually. I grew up in deep South Texas in a very small town uh, that is still unknown, by the way. <laughs> no Palo Alto. <laughs> and yeah. so I come from an addicted family as well and, and a, a family of great dysfunction. What led you to your process of uh, being in recovery from that addicted family? Well, you know, it was interesting um, as that I, uh, I, I, it was really funny because when I went to grad school and, um, and they said, they're like, hey, we're going to start a master's in marriage and family therapy. Are you interested? And I was like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I love family systems. I love watching the room and how it evolves much more than I love the individual, work, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and, and I think a lot of that had to do with growing up with an addicted mom. Yes. <laughs> And having to walk into a room and read the room. That's right. And, and be prepared for whatever was going to come down the pipe, you know. Um, and so I naturally, I gravitated towards that. But the one thing I always said is, I am never going to work with addicts and alcoholics and their families because those people are crazy, you know. <laughs> and, and that's all I do. Because I think it's because I offer a solution. And the solution is based upon my professional education and my personal experience of Absolutely. You know, how I was handled and how things went, what worked, what didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, spending three years working a crisis team in community mental health and, and watching, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the real essence of it. Mm -hmm. I would intervene on these 14 year old kids um, that were suicidal, homicidal and psychotic at the hospitals, you know, at two in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, because they never have breakdowns at convenient times. It's always That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I would realize and holidays. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and it always has to be snowing. It always yeah. has to be snowing. Yes. 
Um, but what I realized was that these kids were coming out of homes of chaos and crisis. And so they were reacting to their homes. And, and so what I thought, I mean, what this team that I was on, we kind of developed this belief system that if we could get into the home and change the way the family does business, we would have a much greater impact on the kid's life. And it was right, we were right, it was true. And so I believe the same thing when it comes to my personal, the work that I do in my private practice. Absolutely, so cool. Yeah. There was this part on, under your author's note, actually, it's a great segue for this, where you wrote, I opened my private practice in Denver, Colorado in April 2014, and from the first day forward, my clients were mainly parents that would call me and ask if they could bring their kid in to see me. The kids were 14, 18, 22, 26, 36, and up. So I could help them with their substance abuse issues. My response has always been the same. I would rather meet with the parents and the family and talk about how to address the substance abuse and the family system, not just the person using. I have always believed that you have a greater chance for success if the whole family is engaged in recovery, not just the addicts. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to expand on that some more? <laughs> sure. Um, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, here's, here's the, so again, I, you know, I, I grew up in Palo Alto. I went to high school, public high school, Palo Alto High School, across the street from Stanford University. And my dad, when I was in high school, he used to drag me to these graduate school of business entrepreneurial seminars back in the late 70s and early 80s. Mm -hmm. And I hated him for it. I didn't realize that I was being exposed to who the guys that would become the legends of Silicon Valley. Wow. And I mean, the legends. You know, and these guys were talking about running their business in an entirely different way than what was accepted at that point. They weren't using the IBM system or the GM or the GE system. They were like, look, here's the deal. I'm going to empower you to solve the problem. You know, you're going to be responsible for this section or this thing or this whatever. And my job as your manager is to be your cheerleader and support you and help you and give you the proper resources and make sure that because if you're successful, I'm successful, mm -hmm. right? And 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 that what they were really saying is that you know we're going to make sure that the whole system is about helping each other and 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 showing what works. So that really stuck with me. And so when I got into the therapy world, I thought you know, this is really how we need to address families that are struggling. You know, not from a perspective of we need to isolate the one person that's causing a problem and and only you know, like cut that out and call them the problem. Mm -hmm. Because the truth of the matter is, when a business is failing, you don't fire the receptionist, right? right. You go after the, fam the business structure and the management style and say, wow, we have failed as a family. We have right. failed business. We need to find a new way of doing business. Now, I wanna be clear. I don't blame families for the individual addicts addictions, you know? What I do hold them accountable for is how they respond to it. Right. You know, so when we have someone who has an addicted child or an addicted adult or whatever, it's about teaching that family that the way you're doing business isn't working. Let's learn a new way of doing business where we're supportive and helpful and kind and loving with boundaries, accountability and structure. That's excellent. One of the things that you talk about a lot in regards to families is the difference between codependency and being a supportive family member. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. I mean, so much of, you know, what I what I work with is, you know, my, again, you know, like you had said earlier, is that my thing is not 
you know, people always want to bring the, the addict to my, like, here, fix them. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't do that. I mean, I want to be clear with you. My personal belief is there isn't a therapist in the world that can fix it. You know, I, I just don't think that how. Right. Now, I think every addict I know, including myself, needs a therapist. Okay, so let's be clear, you know. Um, but I don't believe you can therapy addiction away. So I, I think it's important to remember that we have to address the family in the same concept. So, so when, when the family's position is, we just need to take care of Kevin and, and that'll make everything okay. I have to get them to say, you know, here's the thing, you guys have been doing that for 20 years and how's it working, right. you know? <laughs> and so, you know, layering in understanding of the codependency and saying that, I know you think you're being a good parent by solving their problems and paying their bills and, and bailing them out and taking care of them, mm-hmm. but you're, what you're really doing is robbing them of the opportunity of learning how to solve their own problems and earn self-esteem and take care of their stuff. Right. You know? And, you know, also, in the meantime, we're going to also address the family system and start dealing with the structure of the family system and realizing that by constantly focusing on Kevin, we're not focusing on ourselves and we're not healing our wounds. That's right. Yeah. That makes sense? It, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, in the book, you talk about triaging your home uh, yeah. and then creating a plan A. Uh, can you tell us what it means to triage your home? Tell the audience what, what it means to triage your home. Absolutely. Triaging the home. And so, and again, this is all drawn from my experience of working and, and you know, showing up at, you know, one in the morning at the ER and yeah. having, having this, you know, 14 year old kid who's just terrified sitting in a bed and the parents losing their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would always travel in pairs. And so what we would do is split them. We'd split the kid and the mom and the dad and, and, and we'd each, we'd get our stories and then we'd come back and, and we'd do the same thing. We'd interview them again with a different therapist. And then we'd meet together as a therapist and say, okay, what's going on? And, and kind of get the whole picture and the whole concept. And that was how we would triage the system. We would, understand, we would understand that we needed to get a grasp of what was going on in the home, not just what's what let you know what happened this afternoon that that forced this person to this position. I want to get a better grasp and understanding of the entire family system in a fairly quick terms. Um, and, and, and start understanding what's going on and why and how. And I want to see where the family is. Mm-hmm. Are they ready to make some changes? Because if they're not, I can't help them. Right. 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 I, and I don't, I don't try to, I, one of the things that I really bothers me about therapists is when they continue to see a family or an individual and, and like they're propping them up. Like, yeah. well, you know, I know eventually they're going to admit that they have a problem. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't no. do that. Yeah. If you don't want to work on it, go see somebody else. I can't help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's triaging, uh, and that that's kind of how I get that's that's how I get to that situation. And then how do you go from that to creating a plan? So, what I got to was understanding that that again I'm a family systems guy, Mm -hmm. and I come from a 20 years in corporate America. Yep. (laughs) And so I like and 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 more importantly. Yeah. I come from a home of chaos and crisis and insanity. Yes. And so I need a plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need a rigid, structured, got to do it this way plan. Um, otherwise, I feel like, you know, the world's out of control. 
Right. You know, Absolutely. and so what I ended up developing was a plan. And I call it plan A. And plan A is that we're going to set boundaries and accountability and structure in three categories. The first category is drugs and alcohol. And we all have to agree that there's no drugs, no alcohol. Right. And, and that's the boundary. That's number one. And in the book, there's worksheets that I put together and everything. And then the next layer beneath that is the accountability. Well, so every family says the same thing. Oh, we've tried that. It doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened when they started using again? What did you do? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, okay. So, you know, the the story, I think the example I use in the book is if there's a speed trap out in front of your house and, and the cop is out there shooting radar and the speed limit is 35 and you blow by at 100 and the cop's just like, hey, yeah, you know. Have a nice day. Boundary isn't irrelevant. Right. So the accountability function is we're going to use a breathalyzer. We're going to do regular drug testing. I don't believe in random drug testing. I We can do it every day, you know, right. and eventually we're going to catch it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third piece is what I call structure, and that is rewards and consequences. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can't pass the drug test, then, you know, depending on, your your who how old you are and the role you have in the family if you're under 18 we're going to take away your social life we're going to take away your phone we're going to take away your electronics we're going to take away your car and 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 we're not but here's the really important thing and this is again this is how we address the family we are not going to be punitive shaming angry or frustrated it's simple and straightforward these are the rules if you follow the rules you get the benefits if you don't follow the rules then you don't get the benefits right. and mm-hmm. love you either way. Mm-hmm. You know? So the next category is worker school. It's the same thing. We're going to, we're going to set uh, a minimum, you know, either you work part-time full-time or go to school part-time full-time. And for school, my position is that, you know, everyone should be able to do well at school. And if they can't, then they, we should get them the help they need to do well at school. Mm-hmm. So we're going to set a minimum GPA. And it's not just GPA, it's attendance and turning in all assignments. Right. And nowadays, all schools have portals that we can access. That's right. Mm-hmm. We can, that's the accountability. And then the structure is the same. If you, if, you, if you do it, great. Then you get all the benefits of being a member of the family. If you don't, then you don't. You know? And then the last piece is behavior at home. And that's where the mom and dad or the family can say, you know, no hitting, no yelling, no screaming, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, but I like bullet points. I don't like 10 page contracts. Right. You know? And it's the same thing. And every Friday, I tell people every Friday at five o'clock, we're all going to get together. We're going to review the drug tests. We're going to review the school or the work stuff. And we're going to review the behavior at home. And that's going to turn determine how the next week is going to go. Mm-hmm. Like it's that. black and white. It's mm-hmm. a system. One thing. If we're talking about marijuana and alcohol, I'm willing to try it for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. If we're talking about, you know, cocaine, meth, you know, um, heroin, opiates, Xanax, sure. I'm kind of a real quick trigger because <coughs> because people die. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Absolutely. That's how I said. That's kind of a long answer. Yeah. I hope that was no, that was perfect. Yeah, and what are you the quick trigger on? In other words, what, you pull the trigger and do what? What's um, when I say a quick trip, so that's plan A, right? Yep. So if they, so if someone is failing plan A on a regular basis, then we go to plan B. Got it. Plan B is intervention and treatment. Yes. Okay. And in the book, I outline how, how to find an interventionist and how to find a treatment program. 
And I, in the second book, Families and Addiction, I actually expand on it and there's more, uh, there's more engagement. And I talked, I actually interview a couple of amazing uh, interventionists. Mm -hmm. I interview Nikki Soda from uh, NATAP. Oh, nice, and, uh, Nikki. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. God, I mean, she's just incredible. So is her husband uh, yep. and Jimmy. And, and so what I do is try to resource the experts in the industry because so many families come to me and they've been through this rodeo five or six times. Yes. And they're a couple hundred thousand dollars in. Mm -hmm. And they come to me and they're like, wait a minute. You mean there was a place I could have gone that took my insurance? Yeah. You know, and, and there was a guy that wasn't going to charge me $30,000. And, you know, so that's a lot of why I wrote the book is because I want families to have a resource where they can walk through the process and get help. And I'm, and I'm still available to help them and my staff is available to help them. Yep. But I wanna give them a plan to follow how to interview treatment programs, how to interview interventionists, how to interview therapists. Mm -hmm. These are the things you should look for That's so right. that they're not walking out into this world blind and getting right. taken advantage. That's exactly right. I think it's mm -hmm. so absolutely necessary that this book, I think it's so timely. What do you do? How do you handle it as a marriage and family therapist when you have uh, parents that have a child with behavioral issues and uh, substance use disorder issues, and you have one parent that is actively involved and actively trying and actively wanting change and how to affect change and doing the therapy and doing things, and you have the other parent that is more hands-off that says, I, I, I can't handle this, and you handle it. How do you get the parents to come together? Uh, that, that, you know, I think that that's a great question. And I think initially what ends up happening because, because people come to me when their house is on fire. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the analogy that I like to use is, you know, when, when your house is on fire and you call the fire department and they show up and they plug into the fire hydrant and they charge up the hoses and they get everything ready. And then they, you know, they don't, what, what most therapists do is then they stop before they put the fire out and they're like, hey, let me ask you, how does this feel to watch your house burn down? Mm -hmm. You know, and what is it, what is it like? And, and, and they ask all those therapy questions we get taught mm -hmm. and that drives me bananas, you know? Yeah. And so my position is turn the damn hose on, let's put the damn fire out. Right. In that process of getting that triage and getting that, getting to that space, I quickly find out who the players are in the family system. So like mm -hmm. you're, you know, so who's really committed and who's not. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, one of the things I learned um, through doing years and years and years of, of sales training is find out who your advocate is within the family structure. If it's mom, dad, sister, brother, husband, wife, I don't care. And, and, and so your question, the husband or the wife, I grab on to whoever's in. Yeah. And I bring them with me. Because we all know in a family system, if we change one person, the whole system changes with them, mm -hmm. whether they like it or not. Mm -hmm. and, and so I don't spend a lot of time chasing people and trying to drag them into the conversation. Mm -hmm. If they don't want to be participating, that's fine. I take the individual that wants to and I grab onto them and we dig in and you know, generally what I do is what I call the codependent no more starter kit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. they read codependent no more. They do the workbook. They get the morning meditation book yeah. um, and we dig in. And what ends up happening is 
yes, the addict or the person searching their mental health issues in treatment is getting better, but the family system is changing at the same time. Yeah. And that forces the other members of the family to start engaging. So that's kind of my, my, my strategy. I don't know if that's um, sneaky or underhanded or, uh, <laughs> but that's my clinically strategy. Fit. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, as I always tell people, it's it's a clinical intervention when I do it. It's codependent when you do yeah, it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we're running yeah. out of time already. I can't believe it. I know, but we I, we wanted to ask a few rapid fire questions just to get to know you as an individual yeah. personally. Let the audience get to know you. So what do you yeah. what do you do for fun? What's your leisure activities, you and your wife? Oh, you know, my le- I have a couple of really uh, leisure activities. I love uh, well, you know, one of the reasons we moved here is that we live a block from the ocean. We walk on the beach every single day. Oh, I love that. And and we walk the dogs every single day. And I I also love uh, working out and all that. That's that's really fun for me. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, but my, my wife will tell you this too. My absolute favorite, no questions asked leisure activity mm-hmm. is hanging out with my friends. There you go. Oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I am a dyed-in-the-wool extrovert. Love it. <laughs> yeah, we can tell, and I think that's amazing. So, like, you're living, you, you know, I was going to ask you, where's your favorite place, vacation? But you're, like, you're living your working vacation, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the reason why we ended up moving to the ocean was that we every vacation we took, we would go to Puerto Vallarta. Ah, okay. You and I fell in love with Puerto Vallarta. That's amazing. Yeah. I love Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. Have you have you ever driven a tractor? Funny you should ask. <laughs> You've he been has. reading. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I started at the University of Southern California in the fall of 1982. <laughs> And my dad, in the summer of 1983, took me on a 10-day rafting trip down the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. And I met this lovely couple, John and Christina Noble, who lived outside of Granada, Spain. Wow. And and they looked at me at the end of the trip and said, what are you doing this fall? And I was like, well, I'm supposed to go back to college. They're like, how would you like to come live on our farm? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. So my job primarily was to drive this Fiat tractor, which looked like a bulldozer. Wow. No tires. It had treads and levers. Amazing. So I was a, I, for six months, I drove a tractor and I had to, and it was the first time in the history of the land that it had been cut by a tractor and not a man and a, a horse and a plow. Wow. How cool. Yeah. yeah. I love that the audience was probably like, why did what? he why ask did him he about a tractor? tractor? <laughs> I thought I'd just throw one out of there. <laughs> I know. It came out of nowhere. Lobbed no, the, it in. The funny thing that comes with that, right, I lived in an environment where nobody spoke English. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, I grew up in California, so you have, you know, Spanglish. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if I wanted to eat, drink, or meet girls, I had to speak Spanish. Sure. And so when I came time to doing my internship, one of my selling points to the Community Health Center was that I'm fluent in Spanish. Right. And the first day, they were like, oh, yeah, sure, big white boy speaks Spanish. <laughs> they sent in somebody to test me, and her response back to the bosses was, yeah, he speaks better than I do, and I'm native. Yeah, oh, there wow. you go. That's yeah. amazing. Oh. So my my internship was almost all in, done in Spanish. That's so oh, cool. cool. 
I did yeah. my dissertation uh, working with first and second generation Hispanic Americans uh, in chronic pain. So we should get together and have coffee and talk. The book is amazing, everybody. It's called mm -hmm. Chronic Hope by Kevin Peterson, uh, marriage and family therapist. Uh, Kevin, how do we buy the book? It's on Amazon. Um, it, it's also available on Kindle on Amazon. And I, I, as soon as I get a chance to catch my breath, I will actually be recording it um, for audiobooks for Audible. Yeah. Um, that's one of my over the holiday projects. That is so cool. Nice. Everybody go out to Amazon. It's a great uh, gift for families that, that have a child in addiction. And really, when I was looking through the book and reading it and uh, studying it for this interview, actually, I was thinking it doesn't just apply to substance use disorder children uh, and families. It really applies to all of us. It applies to families across the world, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's so important. Go get this book. And yeah. thank you so much. And let's get together soon. As soon yeah. as COVID, we can travel. Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, my gosh. You Come have no idea uh, how much I would love that. I'm honored uh, that you guys uh, spent some time with me and allowed me to uh you know, share my experience uh, with you guys. Thank and you. Kevin. I don't want it to end. This, this yeah. is the no, extra. Neither do we. We will neither do a follow-up. We will. Now, okay. if someone well, wants to reach you, if there's a family out there that wants to reach you, how do they reach you? Email, phone? Yes. You can go to, um, the, the website is petersonfamilycounseling.com and uh, Chronic Hope Institute is on YouTube. Excellent. Uh, okay. So, I have about 20 or 30 videos. Like, like if, if you allow me, I'll put this on there as well. Yes, oh, of course. Uh, and, and so this Chronic Hope Institute is on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on YouTube. I'm sure I'm on other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, but PetersonFamilyCounseling.com. Um, and then, you know, you can always call or text. 720-541-6289. Perfect. Very nice. And how do they reach you, Dr. Flowers, at the uh, J. Flowers yeah. Health Institute. Oh, there you go, jflowershealth.com, okay. 781-783-6655. Awesome. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so again, much, Kevin. Kevin. Oh. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy Thank you. you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bert is loving us. He's falling asleep. <laughs> oh, Take care of that 20 week old, too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I could talk all day, but she's total. She's born deaf. Totally wow. deaf. Wow. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, but you never know it. I mean, she just runs the pack. She's well, I, I think my dog was born deaf sometimes, but she wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Happy yeah. holidays. Thank yeah. you again. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Holidays.